will for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So, I mean, right away, we see that the work of Jesus on our behalf, you know, has several purposes. Uh, one is, is to redeem us, to purify us, but it's that last one that we really get uh, awed about, especially when you come across a word that, in, that is so evocative in so many ways. Like, what do you think of when you hear the word zealot? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, do you use the word, you know? I mean, the people have always said you're very zealous about Sunday afternoon naps, you know? And that's true. I am. You know, I, okay. So, yeah. You know, you, you look in the scriptures, right? And, and one of the disciples of Jesus is called Simon the Zealot. And, and you're right. It's not seen as a good thing. Right? Uh, so it's college football season. Do you guys have teams, favorite teams? No. No? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, okay, but you have kids. So, so like, a few years ago, I, I saw this report that said that college football fans and parents have an area of their brain that is the same. And that when you become a college football fan and a fanatic and you become a parent, that something in your brain changes. Right? And so you just become so focused on that kind of thing. Right? And I'm not saying that, 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 that parents are rabid college football fans or, 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 or vice versa. But this word zealot is just not a, it's not a positive word. Like, like in school, right? Use zealot in a good sentence, right? As a positive thing. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, I think of somebody who's Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So it's like the difference between a fan and a fanatic. Yeah. Okay, so I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, you know, because they're not very zealous about grammar, apparently, you know. So now, when we talk about being zealous for good works, it seems that in the scripture it's presented as a positive thing. What do you think about that, Jeremy? You know, when I... Okay. Um, you know, like a strong desire, enthusiastic, okay. uh, passionate. That's what goes through my mind that I replace that word zealous for because I don't maybe quite understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So somebody, so in that context, then somebody who's passionate has a strong desire for good work. So um, how have you seen that in your own life? You know, um, whenever I read this, this book, and, you know, especially this last verse here, um, the first thing that comes to my mind is mindset. Mindset. And, you know, okay. I, I always try to be aware of my mindset as mm-hmm. I go through everything. And, you know, I often pray, um, God bless me to serve you today, not to be saved, but because I'm saved. Hmm. So whenever I see this, uh, talking about doing good works, that's the, the mindset that I want to keep in mind. I'm mm-hmm. not always perfect at that, but that's, that's kind of where I'm, uh, I'm going with that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's one of those two, uh, in the next chapter, mm-hmm. uh, I'll actually explains um, that kind of by saying, you know, right here, he, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. And he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. 
Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us the confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So whenever I see this playing out, I always try to think of that mindset mm -hmm. of, um, you know, not doing things because uh, or to be saved, but mm -hmm. because we're saved. Yeah. So, um, Alicia, let's talk a little bit about that whole idea. I mean, there's been a shift. You know, as far as our, our, our church opinion is concerned. So talk about how you've seen that shift from the, no, you're saved by works, to, no, well, maybe you're not saved by works. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I really like that idea that this is part of that transformation that's occurring in us because what's happening is that it's changing our motivation for why we want to do something. You know, so you, you take the, the good work. I mean, you know, like there's so many good things that can be done, but, but what the gospel is trying to do is it's trying to address why we would get involved in those good things. And so, you know, I mean, Sometimes I feel like I speak just for myself, but, you know, you, you think about our experiences and, and, and just what we, were, what we were, you know, hymns and things, we, you know, stars in your crown and this and that, and, and you know, it's all, it's all carrying forth this idea. I, I think Dallas Willard once talked about how, you know, uh, he spends however long preaching telling you that you're saved by grace, but all the songs were telling you what you need to do to save yourself. You know, so it's almost like, seems like it's this, you know, working against you. So you get these mixed messages. And so, Jeremy, how have you, how have you found in your own experience trying to deal with these mixed messages of saved by works, saved by grace? You know, that's one of those things, kind of like you were saying too, as, as we get older um, and we go through life and we start seeing these things. It, you know, to me, it, it's kind of a freeing experience hmm. as we... Um, make that transformation from the thought and mindset of the, you know, kind of the guilty mindset of saved by works, mm -hmm. you know, to the saved by grace. And it, it really, <clears throat> for me, it, it opens up, um, like you were saying, the, the mystery. And that excites me because mm -hmm. that, you know, you, go, you no longer go from being afraid to fail because it's mm -hmm. based on what you were doing. Mm -hmm. It's based on what God has done for us. And it's his grace that covers all of that. And that, that freedom that we get from that, allows us mm -hmm. to go and 
explore this and live life wherever we are, mm-hmm. you know, and um, just setting an example for others and all of that, too. Yeah. So one of the unusual things about this last phrase, zealous for good works, is that when you look at that word in the original language, it's one of those weird words that has connections to other words. And so the idea in this word is more about who you are as your being rather than the action of what you're doing. So it's more about becoming this kind of person. I, I was talking to Joanne Hawkins a couple of weeks ago, and I was asking her this question, why are we still, you know, uh, what do you think the hang-up here? And, and one thing that she said was, we're still stuck on being, hu- on being human doings rather than being human beings. And that's, that's kind of our hang-up. And so, you know, so how do you, especially when you, when you think about your children, you both have young children, so what are some ways that we're, we're trying to have these conversations with our kids to focus on, sure, we want them to do good things, but this whole idea of this is, this is who you are because of who Christ has made you to be. Who wants to go first? All right. You got the tribe has spoken. Well, I mean, I think obviously I have not found a way to do it perfectly or in many days even well. <laughs> Okay. When you make a mistake, and I think that the most important thing, what, what God instructs us to do is because it is what is best. And so we try to teach our girls that whenever, whenever we ask you to do something or when we have rules, it's because that is what's going to hmm. keep you safe or that's mm-hmm. going to protect your relationship. But sometimes I've noticed in my girls and I've noticed this in myself and then Josh... When you make a mistake and you know it, I think the hardest thing is to receive forgiveness and mm. to receive grace. Yeah. But this is a little song I learned from Conscious Discipline, so educators out there might know it. Oops, you made a mistake. You're beautiful, beautiful. Oops, you made a mistake. You're still beautiful to me. Mm. So we sing that to each other sometimes <clears throat> because I think that is how God sees us. We make mistakes, and yet he sees us as beautiful. And so I, I probably, I think I learned that song from Lyra and was four and Sylvia was two. And so I would sing that to them. And the most wonderful thing is that one time, I don't remember, I think I had lost my temper and said unkind words or in a mean tone of voice. And they came to me and they sang that song <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, there's so much I want to say about that. Um, you know, like to resist the urge, like you're grounded, you know, <laughs> when, when that happens. Uh, but the, the next thing I want to say is that you have passed your audition to be on the praise team. <clears throat> and we look forward to seeing you up here next Sunday. And, and the third, I think you need to teach this song to us as a church. We, we need to learn this song. So let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'll sing 
Okay. Man, that's fa what do you got, Jeremy? <laughs> I mean, you're gonna have to juggle or flamethrow or something at this point, right? Man, Alicia, I love that, especially because you know um, there were there's three passages in the Bible that all carry this same theme. They're all trying to communicate, and you would think that, like, even in our tradition, three Bible verses should be enough right? That all communicate this idea that salvation comes first for this life of pursuing good works. And so, this whole idea of being beautiful, I mean, you look at what Paul writes in Ephesians, and he talks about us being the workmanship of God. I mean, so he possesses us. We're people for his possession. It just shows you how valuable that we're his workmanship. You know, and other other. Uh, in the original language, that word workmanship means masterpiece. We're his masterpiece, that he sees us as beautiful, right? And so, the life that he's calling us to is, is not to be made beautiful, you know, by all these good things we do. Our life is made beautiful by the good things that we do. So, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Now, um, Jeremy, let's talk a little bit about how the gospel changes motivation, okay? Let's talk about that idea. Specifically, it speaks three things to me. Here's my three things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I try to keep this as the mindset and motivation in everything I do. Inspire, encourage, and empower. Mm. You know, I like to form these into questions to challenge myself and to help keep myself accountable. Am I inspiring others by the way I live my life and the things that I do? Am I encouraging those around me through their journey? And am I empowering them by teaching and developing them, giving them the tools that they need to serve and lead to their full potential? Hmm. You know, and that's, that's kind of that, that mindset that we talk about and the motivation and the change that this freedom brings along is being able to see all of this and see the, you know, the generations ahead and the generations to come. And like we talked about, how do we share this with our kids and everything? And that's what I like to, you know, yeah. have motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alicia, talk a little bit about motivation, too, and, and, and how you see that playing out, especially how the gospel is trying to tell us you can't save yourself. Right? So it gives us something else to focus on. Right. I think that um, so much of whenever I find myself thinking through, like, I can find myself still going back to the way of thinking when it's like, what can I do? Yeah. How do I perfect myself? And I think that the, the difference that I feel within myself when I'm really in tune with the gift that Christ has given me is that, that shift from striving mm -hmm. 
to a feeling of surrender. And those are some words that my sister prayed over me at one time, and that they, I have really clung to that because I think that so often I feel myself striving to do rather than surrendering to who God has purified me into being and just realizing that he, his grace is sufficient. And of course, I think it's, it's a full acceptance of the idea that I am imperfect, that I am just chock full of weaknesses and just acknowledging that and then saying, okay, so it's not about me at all anymore. It's about taking what, what good there is in me and committing it to your ways and surrendering to whatever it is you would have me do in this world because he's so powerful that even through all my weaknesses, his beauty and his strength can shine through. Yeah, yeah. yeah because you know, if we're left on our own, whatever the good thing is, we're either going to beat ourselves up for not living up to that expectation or, or, or we're going to inflate ourselves, you know, because we met the expectation, you know, or, you know, we just like, we smashed it, right? So like, because, because the human heart's default mode is self-salvation, that's, I mean, that's what we do to ourselves. We see this good thing, I don't measure up, or man, I really do measure up. And the gospel's trying to, trying to deal with both of those sides. And it's trying to help us see the beauty of that which needs to be done. So, you know, uh, we talk a lot about what we want our kids to see in us and the things they want us to see, right? I'll never forget, I, I forget where I was going, but Reese was in the back and he was young and there was a lady on the side of the street that had a flat tire and I, you know, I just went right by her and I hear this voice from the back, Mr. Geppetto, you know, it's like, I hear this voice from the back, and it's Reese, and he says, well, Dad, aren't you going to stop? I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, he saw something in that moment that just for the, for the pure beauty of somebody needed help, so we've talked about, you know, you're involved in a lot of things, you know, both of you are, what is it that you want your girls to see in what you're doing? You know, for me, that's, that's the, the freedom that we talk about and not being afraid to try things, to live where we are, to, to go big, to dream big, to, you know, put yourself out there. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons I do some of these bigger races and things like that. I mean, this last one that I did, there was a pretty good chance I was going to fail. And there's lessons in that. But it's not you know, that doesn't stop me from trying, you know, to do those things. And that's, that's kind of where, you know, my mindset is in all of this is, um, you know, trying to just show them that, um, you know, when, when you're called to do something or when you see something that you're passionate about to, to do it and, you know, to be able to do it um, with the wisdom of God by his grace. And, you know, the freedom that that brings yeah. is great. Yeah. Alicia, have any final thoughts? When you put it that way, that sounds like a lot of pressure. <laughs> well, we're going to um, sing the song again, so just warning you. <clears throat> yeah, I would think that I, what I want is for my girls to be able to say that they could see that I was constantly seeking the Father's face. Mm-hmm. And I know that they'll, I, you know, someday I totally condone them sitting around and talking about all the ways I screwed them up. That's fine. They can sort through all that as long as they also remember that that we were seeking to do God's will and that his grace covered all the mistakes that we're making as parents and just as human beings in general. Yeah, amen. All right, we're going to sing the song one more time. Take it away, Alicia.
Okay, sing with me. Oops, you made a mistake. You're beautiful, beautiful. Oops, you made a mistake. You're still beautiful to me. So there's this moment in John chapter 6 where some people are talking to Jesus, and they, they come up to Jesus and they ask this question, what is the work that God wants us to do? What is the work that God wants us to do? And the reply that Jesus gives them, you can read about this in John chapter 6, is he says, the work of God is this, for you to believe in the one whom he has sent. And their response is really intriguing because they say, okay, do a work. Give us a sign to prove that what you've just said is true. The default mode of the human heart is is self-salvation. And Jesus is trying to say, okay, for those of us who are so focused on work, this is the work you do. You work at believing that Jesus is the one that God has sent. So Mallory is right when she talks about our mission statement. It's a response to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Father, we're so grateful for this moment that we have so many people in this place who have been following you in their own way, in their own situation, who can give us so much insight and truth as to what it means to follow you what it means to seek your heart. I'm so grateful today for the reminder of how beautiful we are even in our mistakes, even while we were still sinners. Jesus died for us. Father, help us through your Spirit to focus on this as our work this week, to believe in you, to trust in you, that your grace is sufficient, that Jesus is enough, So that when we see all those things in front of us as good things that we can do, that we're responding in the same way that Jesus did when he was here, just simply seeking to love and serve others. And we pray through Christ. Amen. If you'll stand as we sing this next song, our elders and their wives will be here. And if you would like to respond to Jesus Christ and place your faith in him, we invite you to come. If you would like prayers on your behalf for any reason, this is the time as we share in this song together. You were despised, you were rejected, Lord, those who passed by even averted their gaze from the side.